You're listening to the Toy Photographers Podcast, the official podcast of toyphotographers.com. My name is James Garcia, and each week I talk to photographers from around the world who are turning Lego, action figures, miniatures, custom creations, and more into amazing works of art. This week on the podcast, I spoke to a toy photographer with many names. You probably know him as James Gibbs, Gibbo, or by his Instagram handle, Harry Hawk. James and I covered a lot of ground in this interview and bonded over a lot of shared experiences and creative processes. It really was a fun chat, so I'm just going to jump right into it. Here's my interview with James Gibbs. So, uh, Gibbo, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you here and to chat with you. I read that you have loved toys from a young age, makes sense as someone who's a toy photographer, um, and that you even have some of your dad's old like toy cars and stuff. So, so let's start there. Kind of what were your favorite toys growing up and, and what kind of role did toys have in your life growing up? Um, yeah, so um, I, I've loved toys. I've, I've loved, uh, I love the freedom that toys give uh, in terms of giving you the opportunity to create your own world, playing in fantasy land and all that. Um, as you said, yeah, my dad, um, from when he was a young age, he collected little uh, corgi, they were called corgi and dinky cars, like metal cast cars back in the day with rubber wheels. And he, uh, he kept those all his life. And when my brother and I were young, we used to, you know, play cops and robbers. And I was just fascinated with little dinky cars. Used to go in the sand pits and, and make roads. And, you know, we go into the shop, drive to the shop. And so dinky cars for me was always a big thing. Um, anything with wheels. I used to love things with wheels. Um, and then uh, as I got older, I was a He-Man fanatic like you can't believe I was, I was masters of the universe running around with a kitchen knife, you know, butter knife shouting, <laughs> I have the power and, and all that sort of stuff. So, um, I, I was fortunate enough to collect while, well, you know, I was able to get some, my, my folks were kind enough to buy me some of the toys. I didn't get the whole, all the, all the characters cause there were quite a few, but I had, uh, I had a good, I'd say 20 to 30 characters. Um, I never had the castle Grayskull, which I was always pleading to get, but that was something too far out of reach. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was, uh, I, I loved, firstly, I loved cars, but secondly, when I first got my, my He-Man, I loved, I loved character figures. I was obsessed with character figures. And again, creating, uh, just playing and, you know, oh, you know, we're playing outside and make a fort for the bad guy or, just role playing with characters. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't big into, uh, like reading books or, or that sort of stuff. I was always outside with my He-Man. I also had little Smurf characters that I used to love playing with. Hmm. And, um, so anything that basically was a character, I had a very much an affiliation to. And I think because I was, uh, very much, uh, my mom used to call me a TV baby. Like I would love I would love He-Man, you know, Brave Star, Ninja Turtles, all that. And I think having a physical representation of the characters I loved from TV was something that I found at a young age. And that's why I am obsessed with toys <laughs> in an older age. Yeah, I can understand that totally. There's something about having just a piece of that pop culture thing that you like or the, the yeah. movie or show that you like. I was yeah. the same kind of way as a kid. Uh, I, I th You're a little bit older than me, so when I was a kid, the things I was interested in were like Power Rangers and, and Ninja Turtles was definitely one of them and, um, you know, obviously Star Wars and stuff like that. Uh, and, yeah, that makes sense for your photography because I know that you do a lot of stuff with those um, established licenses and characters like Marvel and, and Star yeah. Wars and stuff like that. So, so it's cool that that kind of love for those characters has transitioned all the way into the art that you're making yeah the the, the funny thing is as i um as i was uh, i was i was mentioning earlier was when we were chatting before you started recording the, the the thing about living in south africa and now living in america where from south africa we had everything given to us from america in terms of our entertainment we had american tv um, movies sitcoms cartoons all that sort of stuff so we had that, but we didn't have much of, we didn't, obviously we had action figures, but since moving to the States, the plethora of options and the <laughs> unlimited amount of toys that are available in America and the first world, as I like to say, has blown my mind. It really has. I mean, uh, I, I could say I've got an addiction to buying toys. My wife would sadly agree with me. She sometimes... <laughs> 
she sometimes gives me a good reprimanding. But it's honestly like uh, you nailed it. It's, it's living back the pop culture youth that we had watching TVs and having a, a physical manifestation of, of those characters that I really have a nice connection with. And to be able to take photos of them and put them in my own scenarios and make my own scenes uh, something I really enjoy doing. I find it amazing. Right. Yeah, and it kind of builds off of the, the playfulness that you would do as a kid, you know, pretending to be some of these characters or or reenacting some of the scenes you, you had seen on TV or something as a kid. Um, I, it's Yeah, it's cool that you are able to translate that into your photos now. Uh, when did you move from South Africa to America? How long have you been here? So we've been here for two years. We've got here in March. 2017 um moved out with my wife and two kids we've since got a third little boy who's an american we're all very envious of him um <laughs> but yeah we've been here we've been here for two years now so um based in north carolina um and loving it uh couldn't couldn't be happier couldn't nice. be happy yeah yeah awesome were you um photographing toys in south africa or is that something that you started once you moved no um Funny enough, I had no, I had no inclination of taking photos of toys, and I actually didn't have any idea that there was such a big toy photography community. I, I knew of a few toy photographers, um, Avanort, uh, the one who takes a lot of Lego. Um, I, I remember my sister sending me a, a, um, a sort of a, a website link to to some of his pics, and I was like, wow, that's really cool. But it never sort of registered in my in my psyche to, uh, you know, it'd be cool to take pictures of toys. I, uh, you know, I, I love toys and I collected them, but I never, I never at that stage being in South Africa thought I would pick up a camera and take photos of toys. Right. So, so what was it that, that got you into doing it? Uh, how did that switch happen? Basically what happened is, uh, so I, I was a, I was a graphic designer and became an art director in South Africa. Uh, and I worked with a lot of top South African photographers. I was uh, an art director for a, quite a big sports a sports uh, brand. So I used to go and shoot with uh, top photographers shooting top athletes, and I would uh, come up with a concept of the, the shoot. I didn't take the photos, but that's where my love of photography came, like hmm. seeing how top-notch photographers, uh, how they use light, how they – did these phenomenal shots. And um, so I, I really found my passion for photography um, during my advertising years. And then I sort of got tired of working for the man and being corporate. So I sort of went on my own. And I was planning to carry on just doing uh, graphic design and, and, and um, advertising, but somehow fell into wedding photography. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. So I was a wedding photographer for eight years uh, in South Africa, and then we moved across here. And when we moved across here, I wasn't really keen on being a wedding photographer anymore. It's, it's quite a stressful, high yes. high level of anxiety uh, job. Um, and with uh, young kids and everything, I thought, no, let me my hang up my boots. Um, so basically, when we got here, we were waiting to get our work visas or our, our green cards. So I wasn't legally allowed to work. So I thought to myself at the time, I want to, because I've been doing so much wedding photography and videography, I haven't, I've sort of lost my Photoshop skills. Mm. So I thought, what would be a good way to hone my Photoshop skills? So I initially started taking photos of my kids and putting them into funny scenarios. I'd comp them together, my little boy Mikey riding his, uh, his little, um, a little push bike across a lake chasing his sister, and he's this giant character and she's like screaming <laughs> running away so I, I started playing with my kids and taking photos of them and then taking them to photoshop literally to just polish my skills because i'd gotten a bit rusty with photoshop and then one day my daughter um at that stage i had uh, woody and buzz the like the authentic actual doll and buzz lightyear and jesse and bullseye and and all the characters from from toy story and maddie said wouldn't it be cool to have me you know, uh, doing something with Jesse or riding bulls or something. And I was like, okay. And I took a photo, I took a photo of her. Well, I tried to do a comp with her and the toys and it didn't work out the way I wanted to do, but that's when the, the spark clicked. And I thought, well, cheapers, you know, let me take photos of toys. And you know, that's a good way to, to learn Photoshop, uh, again and everything and polish my skills. And then 
started taking photos of toys that my kids have. My, my little boy is obsessed with Transformers. He's got Rescue Bots and Optimus and Bumblebee and Soundwave and Barricade and all that. So I, I, I got some of the Transformers and I, I did a, a, a mock-up shot. Uh, and I thought, well, you just put it out on Instagram, make an Instagram account. And that was basically the snowball effect. Um, I got one or two likes and I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. And then I started following other people. And then I just, then the, the Pandora's box opened and like, <laughs> just like toy photography went nuts. I just like, wow, there's a whole world. Right. And that's when, that's when my wallet went nuts as well. Just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I yeah. know how that goes. I, I love that you got into it because of, you know, uh, Toy Story. I think that's cool that the toys coming yeah. to life in that context kind of translated into you bringing them into life uh, in your own way. I think that's awesome. Yeah. I was a, I mean, when Toy Story, I mean, as I said, I was a big fan of toys growing up. But when Toy Story came out in 95 and I went and saw it, apart from it being phenomenal in the sense that it was the first animated film and we had never seen anything like that, the actual story of it about toys coming to life, um, just it, it was something I could I could relate to. I remember, um, you know, I think everyone can relate to when we when we're young and you lose a tooth or you put it under your pillow and the tooth fairy comes. I think in my day, you know, one of my one of my teddy bears, you know, when you're asleep, your toys come to life. I was very much, I was I was I, I believed that a hundred percent that when I was asleep. My stuffed toys on my bed, my He-Man action figures. I did have Lego. I, I just thought that, you know, when the cat's away, the toys will play, sort of thing. And I, 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 I had that, and I believed it 100%. So when Toy Story came out, and it was sort of like reinforcing what I had imagined growing up, I was like, Oh my word, this is phenomenal! <laughs> so there's proof. <laughs> there's know, proof. I was right. There on the screen, and um, that was just a game changer. Like just. I mean, even to this day, I mean, I've got, uh, I've got, as I said, Woody and Buzz and everything. And I'm like, there's still a part of me that I know, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm 38 now and I know that they're not real, but there is a part of me, like I leave the, I leave my studio here, lock up, turn off the lights. And every now and again, I think, I wonder what they're doing now. You know, right. I've, <laughs> the last set that I was shooting the other day on the table and I wonder if they're going to be in the same position or if, you know, if I'm going to come back and they're slightly off. It's, it's <laughs> It's just the way I like to think. It, it keeps me useful, I think, in yeah. that regard. I could see that. I feel the same way a little bit. Like the other day, I was kind of cleaning up my, my studio space and putting away some toys that I that I had out but wasn't photographing anymore and stuff. And I felt guilty putting some of them like in a drawer. You know, I was like, oh, I like kind of apologized to a few of them. Like, I'm so sorry. You know, I like felt bad about it. And, and I think it's totally because of that, that Toy Story thing. And I, I think it's funny, too. That Toy Story had a huge influence on me too growing up. We had that on VHS, and I would just watch it again. Like I can pretty much recite that movie word for word, you know. I bet your, yeah. I bet your footage was stretched. You right. watched some yeah. like, <laughs> horizontal lines from the old yeah, VHS. exactly on the VHS tape. Yeah, from rewinding it too many times and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and I love that just like a week or two ago, a new Toy Story movie came out this, you know, um, in theaters. And it's just cool that the franchise has lived on this long and has been uh, good for this long too, you know. I, I just think that's amazing and, and just shows the, the power of the story and, and the characters and stuff like that. So it makes sense that it made such a big impression on us. Did you have a chance to watch it by any chance? No, not yet. I, I really want to see it. Uh, maybe when it uh, – have you seen it? I, I took my kids on Friday evening and for me, hands down, the best Toy Story. Oh, um, yeah. Awesome. Uh, and I'm saying, I'm saying that overall, uh, the visuals, I mean, obviously 95 – Technology wasn't up to date to where 2019 is, but the story was phenomenal and was you know, the beginning of a, a revolutionary way of telling a story and everything. But just the the the, te the technical aspect of how they've made this and how it, it just blew my mind. And again, the story is phenomenal. I couldn't fault it at all. Uh, it was uh, it just blew my mind. It really awesome. did. That's good to hear. Yeah, I really want to see it. And maybe uh, once I do, we could do a, a podcast review of it or something. That might be fun. I, love that. I cool. would really love that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'll make a note of that. And uh, yeah, hopefully I'll see it. It's just work has been busy, but I, I do want to see it soon. And I've heard nothing but good things. So, um, so yeah, that's awesome. Let's talk a little bit about your the graphic design and advertising experience you have, because I do that too, which is cool. Um, so I want to know, like, do you feel like that work has influenced your toy photography or vice versa, especially as you've polished up your Photoshop skills and stuff? 
I yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, so I uh, I wasn't advertising and or I did graphic design advertising for for about ten years before I then switched to become a wedding photographer, as I said earlier. So, and I always when I became a wedding photographer a photographer in the initial stages, because I had sort of closed the door on graphic design, I was like, oh, if I could go back in time and rather study photography instead of graphic design, I wish I could have done that. Looking back now, um, I couldn't have asked for a better path, looking back in retrospect. Um, the way that my graphic design uh, timeline or history has influenced my ability to take toys, it's just, you know, you get an eye for design, you get an eye for composition, you get an eye for color, for structure, you're not just, uh, you're not just, you know, putting a picture, uh, uh, you're not just putting Iron Man on a, on a table and, and snapping a photo with your cell phone. And I, no disrespect for anyone who does that, but you know, you've got an eye for it. And I, I look back at my career and, you know, working with photographers, doing layouts for brochures, doing big window campaigns for, for sporting stuff and, and all that sort of, I definitely think it helps. It's just, it's honed my eye. Um, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's trained my eye to, to look at my toy photography, not just as a photo, but as a piece of art. Hmm. Um, yeah. Like, I, I mean, if I, if, if you took any one of the photos that I've got on Instagram and you said, well, oh, how many photos did you take to make that photo work? I can honestly show you in my Lightroom catalog, there's probably, uh, you know, the, the shot of Winnie the Pooh and he shot all the, the bees down. Mm. I don't know if it's the picture, but I must have taken that shot about 150 to 200. <laughs> and it's because I'm not happy because I'm looking at it. And I'm like, okay, it's not just I took it once and I nailed it. It's like, no, I'm not happy with it. Let me change the angle. Let me put light in. And it's definitely from my, my design background that I've got, I believe I've got an eye to really want to polish what the finished product looks like. Oh my God. I'm so glad you said that because I am the same exact way where every time I shoot, even if it's like a simple setup, I'll take at least 30 shots of it, oh. 40 shots of it. One time I, I did a thousand shots of one just because I, I, I was, I was, it was like a smoke. I was trying to get like incense in a scene and some smoke coming out of like a helmet or something. And it just yeah. wasn't right. And I just kept doing it and doing it. I spent like four hours and over a thousand shots and I, and I love the photo and I haven't even posted it yet, but, uh, um, <laughs> But that's, you know, there's just something about it where I am really like nitpicky about those little details or the exact right composition or the exact right focus or something like that. And I hadn't really thought of it from the maybe it is an advertising background or something like that, where it is, um, you know, just that that little level of detail that we're striving for. And um, I think, too, at least for me, and maybe it's true for you because your photos kind of tell a, a story as well. I think with advertising, you know, we're not just making graphics, but you are trying to tell a story with a single graphic or a single ad or something like that. So I think adding those, like, just having that eye, as you said, for the, the technical aspects, but then also for the emotional aspects as well. Like, what am I trying to say with this photo or the mood that I'm trying to convey or something like that? Because those things are so important for advertising, you know, that the colors you choose represent certain moods or, or feelings and stuff like that. And just having all of those um, considerations in mind too, when doing photos, I think has, has helped both my ad work and the, the toy photography work. And I, I don't know if that's the same for you. Well, I, at this stage, um, I'm not doing much in the, in the line of advertising. So um, I, my, uh, my family in South Africa, my in-laws, my, my wife's family have a, a quite a successful business in South Africa. Um, that I still help do all the marketing for. So I will do um, a couple of print ads. I've helped with some TV ads. I do all their, you know, their design work. So I'm still somewhat linked to that uh, part of, of the graphic and advertising world, but I'm actually wanting to step more into the photography world. Um, mm -hmm. So um, I'm wanting to, I've become a, I've always loved portrait photography. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hone my skills with portrait photography and being able to uh, have toys just as, as, my, as my models. Mm -hmm. One of the best things I can say about shooting toys, being a photographer who likes to shoot people, but 
I didn't like the f- shooting. So I shot weddings, obviously, as I said. I, for me, the worst part of shooting a wedding was the formal shoot, which sounds ridiculous. You know, photographers love the chance to shoot a formal shoot in a wedding and pose the bride and everything. But for me, that was the most stressful part. Hmm. So I don't like I don't like um, posing people. I find I just like taking shots, uh, you know, on the fly, casual, capture the moment as it happens. Yes, so not, I'm the same exact way. Yeah, I, I hate. I, I just feel constricted, like, okay, turn your head like this, put your, you know, and it just, <laughs> oh, it's not my vibe. Yeah, I feel so awkward doing that, yeah. Exactly. But with toys, like, because there's no there's no preconception of what the result is going to be, and they just hold that position, and you can make them do whatever you want, that's what is so appealing to me about toys, is that I've got an idea in my head, and I'm not relying on someone to make the shot work for me. I make the shot work for me and the toys just do what I want them to do. do you right. know? And, yeah, and not having somebody that needs to understand what you're asking them to do. You know? <laughs> that like yes. being able to convey whatever image you have in your head or, or the specific thing you want or something, or even just the, the trial and error that goes with photography, you know, it's exactly. like moving reflectors around or bounce cards or lighting or posing and stuff. It, it is awkward and, and tough doing that with people. And, and I, I have felt the same way because uh, I've done weddings too, not, not, so much photography but the video like wedding videos and stuff and i definitely prefer wedding videos to photography because the video is more just on the fly capture as much as you can and um yeah and i i can definitely see why toy photography would appeal to you for that exact reason and um and and it's cool that toy photography is kind of good practice for something like portrait photography and learning all of those skills yeah i'm finding i'm finding especially with toy photography i i've got a I've got, or I like to think I've got a good understanding of light and how to use light and being able to, to, to set up a shot with toys. And you said it earlier where you can take, you know, 40, 30, a thousand shots and take five hours to take one photo. You get lost in the process. I get, I'm the same. Like if you had someone here, a model, if you hung around for five hours, (laughs) messing around with a light and like, you know, the, the model the model would die of starvation or just leave the door, sort of thing. So, so having it's just a, an ability for me to just forget everything else, focus on it, and and not have to worry that I've got someone else waiting for me to do stuff. It's just like it's all on me, and that's what I love about it. Like you can you 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 find yourself coming up with a problem, like oh this is not looking great, and you could take forty five minutes and just adjust the light or something and then nail the shot, but it's taking you 45 minutes, but it's so rewarding for you. Mm-hmm. You've done it. And does that make sense? You know oh what yeah, I'm absolutely. I, I love it. It's kind of like a, like advanced puzzle solving or something like that. Or, yes. or like, such a, putting it. Yeah. Yeah. Just having that, having an issue with something like, Oh, this posing isn't right. Or the lighting isn't right. Or I can't get this figure suspended in the air the way I want to, or something like that. And trying to find a solution for that, that, yes. that, it's not only going to solve the problem, but will solve it in a way that gets you to the final shot that you're envisioning is, sure. it's a really fun process for me to go through. And, um, yeah. so yeah, I, I love that you have gone through the same motions. Um, with, when you take your photos, James, I wanted to ask you this, have you like, do you have a, do you come up with a concept before you take your photos or do you just like, oh, I feel like taking a photo today and do you find that being on social media drives you to take photos because you want to put it out to social media? Or do you find that you come up with a concept and you want to execute that concept and then and then shoot it? Um, I'd say it's probably a mix of both where sometimes I'll just come up with an idea. Like I just posted a shot yesterday of a, of a, a bunch. Of, I got these little like micro machine Jawas and, and I used a Bosque figure for like as a Godzilla kind of thing, you know, and that was totally... I had that idea never crossed my mind as something that I wanted to do, but I did have ideas for those little micro machine Jawas. So I bought those on eBay and they came and I was doing a couple of the setups I had in my head. And right. what I really like doing is not only coming up with an idea and then finding a way to execute it, but sitting down with my toys and looking around at which action figures or Lego I have and then coming up with the idea, like whatever pops into my head. And that's how that boss Godzilla idea was I just I was looking at those Jawas and I was like these are so small what could I do with these and I was looking around and I saw that Bosque figure on my desk and it just popped into my head you know and I just was like oh yes I got to do this so that's honestly my favorite process is just 
looking around at, at what I have at my disposal and seeing what kind of ideas might come from it. But definitely sometimes it is, I'll see something on social media that inspires me or I'll come up with an idea in the shower that, that I just have to get out, you know, and then, sure. and for me, it's usually like a basic concept. And then I kind of work out the composition and posing and final look and stuff as I'm shooting. I, I like to do that kind of on the fly. What What is it for you? What's kind of your process? It's quite funny how similar we think right. I'm exactly it's like a lot of kinship going on here. <laughs> I'm exactly the same in the sense that um, I've got, I, I went ridiculous and bought a ton of toys. Um, and I'm like, Oh, I would love to have this toy check on Amazon. Oh, there it is. Oh, Oh, sorry. By accident, I clicked checkout. Oh, what have I done? <laughs> oh, there's it at the door sort of thing. But for me, um, I also look at my toys, see what I've got and, and think of, of, of shots. But I, I, I don't like taking sh- well, it's, it's, it's going to sound weird, but I don't like taking toys for the sake of just taking the toy. Mm-hmm. I like taking photos of toys with a concept in mind. So I've got a little notebook that I keep with me, and it can be 3 o'clock in the morning, not that that well, it's happened once, where I've woken up and I've, I've scribbled an idea. But I like to, I like to um, push myself creatively. Um, that's why I loved getting into advertising, although I ended up going down the graphic design route. I always wanted to go into advertising because I'm quite a, um, an, I've got quite a vivid imagination, quite a strong imagination. I like to come up uh, with concepts and, and visuals and stuff. I remember um, before I uh, finished at high school, I was in the doctor's room and I was paging through a, a car magazine in the waiting room and there was a, a DPS or a double page spread for, at that stage, the new BMW M3 uh, car and it was an amazing shot of this black car in the showroom and there were all these oxygen masks hanging down from the top of the showroom and all it says was takes your breath away isn't it and I was like wow that's such a cool concept um, so then I thought well let me get into graphic design studied graphic design hoping to get into the advertising world but ended up sticking to the graphic design side of the world so for me Toy photography is a big way for me to rekindle my love of conceptual ideas mm, mm-hmm. that I did in the advertising world. So, as I said, coming up with an idea, um, stretching it out, mulling it over my, in my mind for a couple of days, and then sort of executing how I'm going to do it. I'm a big fan. I don't know if you've ever seen, there's a, there's a, a compositor photographer. His name is Adrian Somling. He's from, I think he's from Switzerland or one of the the northern European countries, um, he does these surreal composites of um, with his kids, but he also like he sketches out uh, ideas and then he composites it all together. And it's just it's a fascinating way for me to to follow that sort of process. Where yes, I love looking at my toys and coming up with ideas of what who could do what and everything. But also it's the process of like coming up with an idea, writing it out, and then sort of as you said like getting the nuts and bolts and thinking, okay, how, how am I going to make this work? And it can take an hour. If it's, if it works seamlessly, it can take three or four days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that for me is the real love of toy photography. The fact that I can come up with a concept and, and execute it that I can visually see in my mind. And there's been times where I've thought of stuff and I've tried to do it and it falls completely flat. Right. Like, well, that's good. <laughs> it's like, Oh, well that, that idea didn't translate as, as I hoped it would or something. Yeah two weeks out of my life thinking about that and it works. that was funny that was brain power well spent <laughs> yeah yeah I, I get that or I'll I'll I have a um I just keep a note like app on my computer on my phone that I'll just write down photo ideas for as they come you know and and sometimes I'll look back at it and I just the notes don't make sense or the 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 words are there but the image that I had in my head at the time isn't there anymore or something you know and I I, I either I'm like oh, I gotta table that or return to it later you know I started with that. I started typing on my phone, oh, what if Wolverine was cooking s'mores? Right. <laughs> and I, I quickly changed over to sketching. Even, I mean, if I showed you, I mean, listeners can't check it out, but if I showed you some of the sketches that I've got here, I mean, um, they are horrible little scribbles. I mean, this one here, this one there, I took a photo of Necker's uh, Xenomorph. Oh, yeah and reading a copy of Ripley's Believe It or Not. And then I, I executed it. I don't know if you ever saw that picture, but so I literally scribble. I mean, those are just scribbles. Like I can't even tell what they are, but 
when I see it and I recognize oh, this, uh, that sort of sparks me more. So I did also tie and typed ideas and it didn't work for me. So I became very much more visual. I think it's, I think you could agree it's going back to the graphic design thing. I like to be visually uh, stimulated. Right. I like to see something. That that's sort of my process. Yeah, yeah, that's a smart move. I should try sketching that stuff out. Even you know that xenomorph shot you have. You know, you're showing even if it's not a perfect drawing of a xenomorph or something, you're you're figuring out the posing and the the angle exactly. that you want and stuff like that. So so that's really smart. I know that uh, like uh, Sunny uh, Zeke Zach Zoom. I know he does a lot of like storyboarding for his shots and stuff like that. Um, and I, I know that it can be a really good tool, so maybe I should try using that for myself. Um, let's discuss uh, your hashtag Gibbo's Imagination Station. I really like that that concept and that idea. Is that something that's like a, a mantra for you or like an overall theme for your photos? Like what is what is the thinking behind that? Um, I don't actually know. I, when I got onto Instagram, I was I was late on the Instagram train. I was on Facebook, um, and I don't know, for me, Facebook has sort of lost its luster a bit. I like to go on Facebook. I find it's just too too much noise, um, too many pictures of cats. <laughs> right. you know. Cats are people's babies, you know. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty yeah. much all it is. So, um, so I was pretty late getting onto Instagram. As I said, I only started uh, – so I only started toy photography beginning of last year. So it's been over a year and a bit. So I started an Instagram um, account and I had no idea at that stage what the potential or what, what a hashtag was, what, what the benefits of using hashtag were. And I was chatting with a friend of mine who said, no, hashtags, you know, that you can sort of, uh, you could, you can sort of uh, group certain things together. And then if people search that hashtag, it could, uh, you know, it's, it's a quick way of finding it. And so I was like, well, what's a cool hashtag for myself? And it all just goes back to me loving the the process of coming up with concepts and ideas and imagination. So just sort of rolled off the tongue where it was like Gibbo's Imagination Station. For those of you who don't know, my name is James Gibbs and everyone back in South Africa and a lot of people here now call me, know me as Gibbo. Mm -hmm. So hence Gibbo's Imagination Station. So I, I started using that hashtag and I initially started that as my username for Instagram, but I found it a bit too too long and cumbersome, so I changed it to Harry Hawk because um, my dad used to call me Harry Hawk when I was younger. That was my nickname when when I was small, and because I was obsessed with Airwolf, so my brother used to call me Stringfellow Hawk, uh, who was the main pilot. You know, uh, so my dad called me Harry Hawk. I've actually put Hawk into my third boy's second name, so it's Evan Hawk Rex. We wanted something cool. Oh, nice. And um, my wife wasn't too stoked on Iron Man or Hulk, so <laughs> Hawk was the next best thing. Um, so I thought, well, that's a cool one. So I changed my Instagram uh, uh, name, username to Harry Hawk, but the Gibbo's Imagination Station stuck. And, yeah, it's just um, – I don't know why I came up with it. It's quite a long one, but I, I don't know. It's just I think for me, it's all about my imagination, and it's yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I really like it. I think it's it's it is a great hashtag. Like it just kind of rolls off the tongue. You know, the imagination station. I like that. And yeah. I will confess, like the fact that you do have those like three names, like Gibbo, James Gibbs, and Harry Hawk, has been confusing for me trying to like research your stuff or or. <laughs> keep track of who i'm having on the podcast because i'm like oh yeah i've got james gibbs coming up and like and then on instagram i've got harry hawk i'm like wait wait a second and then i have to like remind myself that they're both you yeah <laughs> but it's all good it's all good it, it all worked out <laughs> one of your most popular work has been the um superhero day off series I, I love that series and you, you kind of mentioned earlier that like wolverine eating s'mores or making s'mores and stuff just i love the concept behind it and the way you execute it and, and i want to talk about those specifically because i know that um they they kind of mix a couple of your your different skill sets you know you've got the the character based stuff that we talked about and the photoshop skills because you do a lot of compositing for those kinds of shots so yeah. um how how did that idea come about like where did that idea come from so um it, it came about again wanting to hone my photoshop skills i have got so much respect for people who take photos of practical effects um 
a lot of people are, I wouldn't say they're anti Photoshop and whatnot, but you know, they, you know, if they want sparks or fire, they will let off firecrackers. And I, they are, they are some amazing photographers who do that. For me, I find practical effects limiting, mm-hmm. um, for the exact, for the exact, um, purpose of what I wanted to do with this, uh, with, with this series of what do superheroes do on their day off. There's no ways I could, you know, practically make Wolverine. I mean, you could, but I, I, I'm not. I'm not meticulous and patient enough to make small dioramas and stuff. For me, the process of taking toy photography is not building the set. It's it's coming up with a concept and executing it. Uh, yeah, executing it uh, digitally hmm. because I'm a, I'm a digital, uh, you know, a, a Photoshop, uh, Adobe, all that sort of stuff. That's what I've been trained on for my days in graphics and everything. So I, I, as I said, I wanted to hone my skills. So for me, the concept of um, uh, superheroes day off came to me. It was like, um, it, it was the, the first one I did was Wolverine cooking s'mores. I was sitting downstairs in our, in our old house and I, was, I, I just got my first. So I had all the, the toy story stuff and we had gone to Disney world. We were taking my kids to Disney world and we had been to, um, which no, we had, sorry, wasn't Disney World. We went into Universal Studios, and we went into the Marvel section of Universal Studios. And I was like, "Holy cow! There is like a twelve-inch Hulk. There's a twelve-inch Thor, Iron Man." I was like, "Cheapers, okay, this is amazing." So I, I bought I bought Wolverine because I'm a I love Wolverine is one of my favorite X Men. I bought Wolverine. And I was just sitting in my chair the one day, and I was looking at him. And I was thinking what's a cool way to shoot him? And I'm like, yes, you could pose him and he's fighting someone or doing something x many. but, you know, surely these guys get tired of being those kind of guys all day, every day. And then it sort of just like clicked. I was like, well, um, yeah, what, what could he be doing? And at that stage, we had, we had just uh, got into the, the s'mores thing. Like, we cook marshmallows in South Africa, but s'mores in this country is like an, an it's like a degree, you know, <laughs> cracker, you get the Hershey's chocolate, all that sort of stuff. So we had been eating schmores and I was like, we had bought these metal um, forks, these long prong things to, to roast the marshmallows with. And it was like, looked at this, looked at Wolverine's claws. and I was like, well, there we go. Right. That's what he would be doing. And then I thought, well, you know, this is probably what he would do on his day off. You just want to chill eat a s'mores. And that sort of kickstarted the whole, what do superheroes do? So I've always tried from from that beginning. I've always tried to um, do something that makes sense, but is not very easily. Um, how do I put it? Like, if if you see the visual, understand. Oh, that's probably what Hulk would do. He's such an aggressive guy, but him reading a Jane Austen book and, and chilling on a bed is something that. Oh, he, he he could do that on his off day, but you wouldn't think of it. So I was like, well, right. let me think the let me think of the the not the weirdest, but what like the most obscure thing that a superhero would do on his day off. So then it became you know Black Panther going to buy kitty litter for his toiletries um, at <laughs> uh, you know at, at Target, or help trying on a new pair of jeans because he goes through jeans. He must go through jeans like he must, you know, be sponsored by Levi. <laughs> right. The multi ripped and stuff. So that's um, that's become an ongoing series for me. Um, I haven't I haven't done a one of those uh, for a while just because of the fact that I need inspiration to hit. I'm not I'm not prepared to just I haven't you know I don't want to um, bake a half cooked idea and put it out there. I wanted to really really come up with something good. So that's another reason why I'll go through. Um, a very big patch of just putting out posts and firing away and then you know inspiration leaves you for a couple of weeks or so and you like just feel dead in the water and you're like well I don't want to just you know take a photo and put it out there for the sake of putting out it I think you can relate being a creative yeah. being a graphic designer you know yeah absolutely it's like I'll have the the drive to do a photo or something but if the idea isn't there I don't have the right idea I just like I can't do it you know it's just there's exactly. a block yeah, inspiration. I mean, inspiration comes sporadically, and when it, when inspiration fires, you you take it with both hands, and when it's uh, when the when the flame is low, you you, you take a step back and wait mm-hmm. for the flame to ignite. <laughs> I find it very difficult to push myself creatively if I'm if I'm feeling a bit on on the downslope of of, of creative, basically. Mm-hmm. 
another great thing about those those superhero day off is as i mentioned the composition um, and you do a lot of compositing you've even written a couple uh, uh behind the scenes or tutorial posts for the the toy photographer's blog I want to talk to you about that composition, and especially because I'm just now starting to get into doing that myself, uh, both for toy photography and for work. I have to do that a lot for my job, photoshopping right. uh, realistic like cups of coffee and with coffee bags for my company and stuff like that, you yeah. know. And um, the the one thing I really learned about that was how important lighting is to compositing and, and getting the lighting right on the things that you are photographing as, as you photograph photoshop them into different scenes and stuff and yeah. and how important that lighting is can you talk about some of the how you like go about compositing and and the kind of lighting stuff that you have to pay attention to yeah um so for me that all comes down to again um writing down or drawing out my idea first uh you know i i've got great admiration for those digital artists i follow a couple of them who will take stock images and They'll take a police car here and a fallen building there and they will magically whip it up together and it looks phenomenal. I have great respect for those guys. For me, the, the joy of, of compositing is trying to do everything. It's trying to, I don't, I, I maybe I've used one or two small elements of stock photos, but generally my thing is taking my own photos. So, and I only take photos, uh, I suppose I should take more photos and build up a library of say backgrounds or whatever, but for me, when I come up with an idea, I sketch it out and then I like, okay, this is what I want the background to be. I'll go and take the photo and if it's an outdoor shot or whatever, and then once you've got the background set up, you can then sort of understand where the light is falling in the background and then and then bring, if, you, if you're shooting your, your, photo, your toys in the studio, is mimic that light. Being a, f a wedding photographer and have, having learned lighting techniques back in my in my uh, advertising days, I've got a good understanding of lighting, so I can I find it pretty easy now um, to to match lighting conditions. Hmm. But for me, it all comes down to light. Uh, I've said this m lots of times in some of my posts, and and I still maintain this today. To take a good photo, you, you can use your cell phone, your camera, everything. But the most important thing that you need, in my opinion, to take a great photo is great light. Without good light, you're going to have, it, it could be a beautiful looking photo, but without great light, it's not going to look nice. You could have all the composition and all the models and everything in the world. Without great light, it's not going to work. So for me, compositing is always just understanding light. I was discussing with a friend the other day. She had composited a, a shot where uh, she had a little uh, Ninja Turtle Lego figurine riding a motorcycle and in the background was a beach scene that she had shot from a, a calendar and it looked awesome it really looked cool she's just getting into using backgrounds and using a laptop screen as a background and putting characters in front and it looked really good the one thing i picked up straight away is in the background scene the sunlight was falling from the left hand side of the picture and she had lit the ninja turtle from the right hand side mm. and to the mm. untrained eye you wouldn't have picked it up but if you had just, if she had just switched that light around to the left-hand side, um, not that it would have made the photo any better, but your your subconscious, it would have just been a more what's the word? It would have been more like photorealistic, or yeah, it, it, it just. So for me, uh, when it comes to compositing, is it's understanding light, um, how light falls on subjects, and the big thing that I see people. Um, falling down on when they try and compositing and you can be a master at photography and compositing and you can just be using Snapseed or LightX in your phone. For me, the big thing that I would advise people to do, if you're going to take a photo in the background or, to, or composite two shots together or have a, uh, you know, your, your screen on in the background and the toy in front, notice what the light is doing in the background for your overall scene if the sunlight is falling from the left if there's a street light and it's falling from the right or something then position your light on the same side I'd, that's one of my biggest uh, pointers i would like to sort of point out um to to sell the shot to make it look more realistic is just have light falling from the same side you can't have a picture of michael jackson doing the moonwalk with him hard lit from the left and the street lights coming from the right it would just it doesn't look visually so that's my big one of my biggest points I would suggest is just understand where light falls and try and put your position your light to the same source of where the main light source is coming. 
Right. Yeah, that's the biggest thing I've been learning as I've been trying this technique out myself is is exactly what you said, the position of the light. And then also, is it a warm toned light? Is it a cool toned light? Like once you kind of know the placement, then you can start going deeper into the layers of of the yeah. kind of light it is and how soft it is and all of that kind of stuff. But yeah, really matching the light in whatever background you're using or whatever. If you're photographing multiple toys into a shot, like make sure they're all lit you know uniformly and stuff like that i think it's that's the most important thing and lighting is one of those things that i never i you always hear like yeah photography is all about light that's what everybody always says and and i before i understood light i was always like well that's that's crazy you know i just i didn't fully understand what that means but now that i do understand light it it totally makes sense and it is one of those things that it is as you said like in order to really be a truly great photo it's it's got to have the that good lighting in it or or lighting that makes sense in the in the scene that you're trying to trying to photograph exactly exactly what are some of the solutions you have found for light and what do you use for for lighting in your toy photos for me I've, i've i've started a series of um sort of tutorials or behind the scenes on the toyphotographers.com blog. It's called um, Toying with Light. Mm-hmm. I, again, I don't consider myself an expert. I understand light, but I, there's still a lot of stuff to learn. But I, I like to educate people on, on basic lighting techniques just so that they can take better photos. I'm not here to say you're doing it wrong or whatever, but I've, I believe I've got a skill that I could possibly pass on to others. So that's what I really like doing. Um, so for me, um, being a wedding photographer, I do have a studio light set. So I've got, you know, I've got three heads, uh, Ellen Crumb light heads that I use for quite a few of my toy shots. Um, but I've also got loom cubes. Um, I've also got a couple of led lights that can, uh, you can adjust the brightness and you can adjust the color temperature. I've got one that has got a full, um, you know, 360 degree spectrum of light. You can go from cold blue to rose red and all the colors in between. Um, I've also got a soft sort of a scrim, uh, uh, an LED scrim light that just uh, gives a very soft look. So I've got a, quite a multitude of, of lights sources that I use. I do predominantly most of my toy photos that I do are indoors and in studio. I have done a couple of shots outdoors where I've used a reflector or a piece of card or a, a tablecloth or something to bounce light. But generally, I like I like sh- shaping my shots with light. I don't very rarely do I rely just on the sun um, for light. So I, li- I like to enhance my photos with with um, with light. And it's a it's a skill set that you learn over time, and you can never you can never master it. There's always something new to learn. So the more you play with light, and the more you you get your hands on it and, and the more photos you take this, the, the more understanding you get of it. Um, I believe that no photo you take is a, is a dud photo. You know, if, if it is a dud photo, it's a stepping stone to take the next photo better than the dud. So mm. it's just a learning curve as you, you know, it's just a progression. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. And it's something that as I've learned about light as well, um, I've learned that it doesn't matter as much like the kind of equipment that you have. You know, you mentioned all these different lighting solutions that you have. And what I have found that those things can be helpful and they can they're, they can be good shortcuts for, for the kind of lighting that you want to get. Like if you like you said, the, the LED that can change colors like that makes it easy for you to, to accomplish that skill that, or that uh, the, the aesthetic that you want in a particular photo. But I yeah. have found that even if you have rudimentary equipment like a desk lamp or, or just one loom cube or, or even just indoor lighting or something, as long as you know what you want to do with the light and how you can use the light, then you can manipulate the tool that you have to do the thing that you want it to do. Does that make sense? 100%. I've, I've actually been wanting to, to do a post on um, lighting techniques or lighting not yeah, lighting techniques and and lights, lighting equipment on a budget. So um, I actually went out. Um, you know, you can go to like Dick's Sporting Goods or some sporting shop, and you can buy those orange soccer cones that you can practice dribbling through. Mm-hmm. They it's like a sort of a they circular, but they dome shaped in a way, and then they've got a circular color. So I actually bought a couple of those, 
um, because I wanted to, it's part of this, this, this toying with light idea, um, doing lighting on a budget, is literally how to make uh, a bigger light source for toy photography. A lot of people, when they take photos with their lights, as you say, a lamp, um, a little torch, whatever, they, it's great. It really is great. But there's a big difference from, uh, people might not know this, but the, the bigger the light source that you have with your toy photography, the, the, it makes a big difference. If you've got a small torch shining on your action figure, it gives very, the smaller the light source, the harsher the shadow is, the harsher the light. You've got to put it pretty close. You get very definite highlights. You get very dark shadows. If you can uh, make the light source bigger, uh, you get a softer light because it can. It's, there's bigger. There's more light to wrap around your character, so you get a softer light. You can then, uh, you know, put baking sheets of baking tray paper and stuff to to soften the light even more. So I I went and got these soccer dribbling orange cones, and just got a, a normal 40 watt um, lamp light globe. Put it through. Cover the inside of the the, the soccer cone with aluminium uh, aluminum. Sorry, not aluminium. <laughs> in America, aluminium uh, foil, uh, and then put a, a piece of aluminium foil in front of the light, so the light shoots through the hole but bounces back over the whole cone, and then gives you more light. So using one globe to give more light, um, and understanding how to bounce light. I I I couldn't agree with you more, James, when you said. You know, you don't need you don't need the, the the bells and whistles of equipment. I mean, I'm just fortunate enough that I am a professional photographer and I do have this equipment. But if you know, as you say, if you know what you're doing with light, if you can understand light, you can achieve just as good a photo with a lamp as you can with a you know four hundred dollar professional sort of light strobe. Right. So lighting, as long as you understand the fundamentals. Uh, and, and understand how you can manipulate that light to benefit the shot that you want to do, you could use a candle for all I, for all I know and, and a, a very satisfactory result. So I would like to try and do that series to carry on with that toying with light series um, and try and give techniques for lighting on a budget. As you say, if you've got a lamp or a torch, how do you maximize that piece of equipment to, better, uh, to take a better toy photo? Right. Yeah. And it's one of those things that it's just, uh, and you know, you can look at so many tutorials online about light, read your blog posts and stuff like that. And, um, what it really comes down to, I found is just experimenting yourself and trying it out. And as you said, taking a photo, that's a dud and then realizing, okay, what, what can I do to elevate this? What can I do to accomplish my vision on this photo and just yeah. trying it again and experimenting with different, a different lighting setup or, or whatever the case might be, just trying and trying again and just Practicing toy photography is the the best way I have found to, to get good at toy photography. Exactly, I'm a I'm a big fan of Bob Ross, that painter, and his. Uh, I've actually got a shirt that it says, "There are no accident, there are no mistakes, just happy accidents." Right. There's no mistakes <laughs> in toy photography. Yes, the you know, oh, this doesn't look great, but you just build on it, as we as we were just talking earlier. One photo that's a dud can lead you to the best photo that you can take. It's a stepping stone. Uh, do you have any other like advice for people that are, that are maybe just beginning into toy photography, just getting into compositing, or or anything like that? Any advice you you can give to to listeners on the show? I know you've just gave a lot of great advice on on lighting and stuff like that, but anything else you want to give our listeners? Toy photography is a slippery slope for the bank account. I can promise you that. <laughs> it is. Um, I actually had a I actually had someone on on Instagram uh, drop direct message me this last week saying. Um, is toy photography expensive? And taking away the, the, the physical equipment of, of cameras and all that sort of stuff, yes, toy photography can be expensive. If you lose, uh, if you lose your willpower and you get caught on that slippery slope, and I have, I, I have done that, I, would, I mean, I, I could show you my, in, my, in, the, in the back of the office here and I can show you all my toys and it'll be like, it looks like I've got, you know, Toys R Us backlog catalog stuck in <laughs> it. Um, but in terms of, in terms of positive advice for toy photographers is just go out and have fun. For me, it's, it's always been about having fun and, 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 and portraying a fun sense in my photos. I always like having a bit of humor. I'm not, uh, I, I can appreciate people who, who, uh, 
will retake photos or, and recreate their favorite scene from Uber. I think that's fantastic. But for me, it's the joy of taking a photo that my that that people will look at and and, and get a chuckle out of. Um, I think the world needs a lot more chuckles hmm. in this time in this time in this day and age. I think everyone yes. is a little bit too much C for serious. Um, <laughs> And I, I just think, go out and have fun. Uh, when I first started toy photography, I remember taking a photo. I was in the woods taking a photo of Frodo um, being stalked by all the predators. And a lady walked past, and she was looking at me oddly. And I was like, oh, heavy, here we go. She has a middle-aged man with a camera in a forest by himself with a bunch of toys. What she's going to, you know, she's <laughs> going to call 911. And she's like, what are you doing? It's like, oh, I'm taking toy photography. And she was fascinated and I showed her some stuff and she really got into the spirit of the thing. So I think toy photography, is just just have fun. You'll be amazed at where it will take you in terms of your ability. As we've been discussing, it will push you to the, if you want to push yourself technically, it's a great way. As we said at the very beginning, you've got, uh, you've got unlimited amounts of models who will stand there day in and day out. Yes. <laughs> never complain, never ask for a bathroom break, <laughs> never need a cup of water, nothing. <laughs> exactly. You can leave them for three days going back and forth. But I think just go out and have fun. Um, there's no right or wrong in toy photography. And there's such a great community to be a part of. That's one of the big things that I haven't mentioned, but I've written a post that's going to be published on Friday about why well, I posted it last week, but this one's about the toys that bind us together. What is it about toys in this amazing community that we all belong to? What is it about a plastic inanimate object that has got so much joy for millions and millions of people around the world? It's, it's a fascinating thing. And for that alone, to be a part of a culture where we can appreciate something that takes us back to our childhood, reminiscent days of movies and good old days and that sort of stuff. I, you know, I, it's, it's just a great thing to be a part of. So I, I, anyone who wanted to get into toy photography, get it stuck in and have fun. That's my take. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing advice. And, and yeah, we didn't mention the toy photo community much, but, but I'm so glad you brought that up. And you've only been doing toy photography for a couple of years, but you've already discovered how amazing the toy photo community is and how widespread it is. And um, I, just, I just think that's amazing. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah, I mean, um, I've become, uh, the last month's post I, I just touched on now, I've become really good friends with uh, an amazing toy photographer named Lorraine from Canada. Um, in the previous post I, I mentioned on toyphotographers.com in last month's post, I was just saying it is phenomenal how this toy photography community, I don't know many communities that we are a part of that, that can break continents and uh, different religions and different, uh, you know, ethnicities and all that sort of everyone is in it for the same reason to have fun to get creative and to show their passion to like-minded people and there's just such a positive vibe about this toy this toy photography community um as i was saying this lorraine who i've become really good friends with she lives in canada she speaks french um she doesn't speak uh english very much she can speak english but I mean, we've conversed over over Skype, and I've used the French translate and everything, and we go back and forth, and it's just someone that I've never met in real life uh, that we've got the same passion. It's just it's just a phenomenal community to be a part of. Um, yeah. uh, I, I suppose the only downside, and my wife will attest to this, the only downside is that it does make you stick a lot a lot of your time on social media. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm uh, I'm I'm having right now. I'm having a little bit of a detox from social media just because I'm so excited to see what people are doing and everything, but it, it, it can, it can be quite uh, invasive at times. Um, so sometimes, you, you know, I, I feel I need to unplug, which is a good thing. And also it brings you back to reality where it's not about getting the likes. I had to, right. I had to, I had to find that in myself. I was getting to the stage where you'd put out a post and like, Oh, every couple of, you know, every 20 minutes, how many likes have I got? You know, it's sort of a, an endorphin kick or serotonin punch. Um, so I, I, I'm taking a little bit of a break from social media to, to not that I've lost my passion with toy photography, far from it, but to, to get back to the stage where like, I want to take toy photos 
for the sake of taking a cool toy photo and not to rack up likes and followers. Um, right. Yeah. Doing it for yourself and not for the, not for your followers or, or for Instagram or anything like that. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And there's, I, you know, I'll find myself, I'm, I'll take a shot that I'm so proud of and so happy with, and I'll post it to Instagram and it won't get very much traction or very much reach or likes. And I get so disappointed and then I have to remind myself like that's not what this is about you know but there is something it's just that social media thing that has just you know kind of burrowed its way into our society and, and our psyche you know that that we do have to kind of remind ourselves of that and, and unplug from that and I think that's really important but you, you, you just just on that note you brought up I I can't I can't agree with you more when you say that what is it about it and, and whether or not Anyone knows the answer to this. It blows my mind. And I suppose it's just because we are all so unique and different in our tastes and, and all that. But you will, you will, you know, spend days, blood, sweat, and tears over a photo. And you're like, this is going to be the crowning moment. Yep, this, this is, is gonna... my best photo I've ever taken. This, yep. I have arrived. This is it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, and you put it out there and it's like, hmm. And then, like. <laughs> You know, you, you like, oh, okay, well, I've got an idea, snap it away, uh, let me just put it out there because I haven't been posting much lately, getting caught in the social media trap, and you put it out there, it's like that Batman shot I took of the, the Batman on Apple and I said fruit bat, I was like, I don't have anything to shoot, oh, I've got an Apple, Batman, snap away, and it just like, <laughs> like exploded, and it's just, it blows my mind how the human psyche works like that, what we think is newsworthy in inverted commas or great in our in our minds is usually sometimes mediocre in the in the greater community and vice <laughs> versa it's amazing how that works i find it fascinating yeah yeah finding like what will resonate with people or what doesn't or and how much of it has to do with when did you post the shot did you post it in you know in the morning on a sunday is that a bad time to post like just i get into my head about that kind of thing sometimes and i'll take yeah, you know, I've taken uh, like over a thousand toy photos now. I think uh, just looking at like my personal library. But then you look at my Instagram, and I've I've only posted like four or five hundred of those. You yeah. know, and it's it part of that is the my getting into my head about well, when should I post this, or I need to find a right time to post it for it to get good reach. Yes. And it just it's yeah, I it, it it's a it's a slippery slope for sure, and you can kind of get lost in this circle of going around and around. You're speaking to the mirror here, but it's like it's like you're reading my mind. Exactly what I was thinking. Like, what is it about it? It's it's phenomenal. Yeah, and it's what you were just talking about too. That um, you know, you and I were two people who have never talked before, other than like on Instagram or or on Slack. You know, our Slack group for the Toy Photographers Blog or anything. Yeah. And you know, some you're from South Africa and you moved here a couple years ago. You live on the other side of the country from my from where I do. But yeah. we are, you know, talking to each other, seeing each other face to face on this Skype call and connecting about all of these different things. Yeah. It's it's it's, an, it's amazing. And I I'm so, you know, all of the annoying social media stuff aside, like whatever, that, that's not the important thing. Exactly. I love that this community has brought you and I together, has brought us together with so many other amazing photographers from all over the world. It is it is just the it's the coolest hobby. And that is the community aspect of it is one of my favorite, favorite things about it. I'm a, have you ever done a toy photography safari? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've done uh, two of them myself. And I, I'm a, I am crossing my thumbs or crossing my fingers for next year. Um, there's a, there's a chance we might have to go back to South Africa to just to sort out a few visa issues for an extended period of time. But if, if all goes well and we are able to stay here, um, for next year, I will definitely be with my ticket no matter where it is. Cause just being a part of a community where you can go to some place in the middle of America and have, you know, 20 to 40 people rock up that you've never met before. And you've got that commonality, that string that binds us all together. That's, as I said, that little plastic inanimate object mm -hmm. and have such a good rapport and just make new friends. I think, I honestly think that's phenomenal that it you is. can... Yeah, I, I love that you have realized that and you haven't even been to one of these safaris yet. So just imagine when you actually go to one, that that feeling is just going to grow exponentially because they, it is so cool to just be in the same room with all of these different people from all these different places and, and backgrounds and artistic, you know, uh, visions and, and toy lines and stuff like that. But to just immediately connect it's just the most amazing thing. So I, I really hope that it does work out and you're able to go to one. Um, and I would love to meet you in person at one of these too. You know, it, it, it would just be great. As I said from the beginning, 
talking to you is like speaking for me talking to a celebrity because I've listened to you <laughs> for so long. It is. It's honestly like coming from South Africa, we grew up that America, you know, all the media that we got, you watch Frasier, Friends, all that sort of stuff. You're like, wow, those Oaks are superstars. And I suppose it's also because of the American accent. We got here now and I'm speaking to you because I've listened to you on, on podcasts and it's like, you are a celebrity in my eyes. It's like because you are broadcasting. You are like one of these people who are broadcasting out to the world and I'm listening to you and now I'm speaking to you. It's like sort of meeting a, 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 a you know, sort of a, a meeting a celebrity. It is to me. <laughs> Well, thank you. That means a lot. I think you're giving me a little too much credit, but but I, I really do appreciate that. Thank you. And it and for me too to to connect with you and uh, you know I've I know you haven't been doing toy photography long, but ever since you started, I've been such such a big fan of your work and your vision and your the imagination you have. And I feel I've always felt this kind of like kinship with your work. And it's great to to talk to you and realize that that extends too to this conversation and and that we come from like similar backgrounds a little bit and kind of go about things in a certain uh yeah. similar way i just i just think that's amazing so it was so great connecting with you on this podcast thank you for doing this and i, I really want to bring you back for future episodes to talk about all of these other different things you let me know when i'll be waiting waiting with bated breath you just send me the call and i'll be ready to pick up <laughs> awesome thanks I, I look forward to it Awesome. Well, Jamie, thank you very much, Mr. Garcia. It's been a pleasure, as thank always. You. Yeah, yeah, this was a great interview. Thank you so much for being here. I, I, I really, really appreciate it. And uh, good luck with everything you have going forward, and, and just keep up the great work with your photos. Cheers, bud. I appreciate it. And the same to you. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much for listening. You can find new episodes of this podcast and daily articles on creativity and toy photography on our website, toyphotographers.com. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. We also ask that you please leave us a five-star review. That'll help spread the word about the show and help us get noticed. You can find us on Facebook at Toy Photographers and on Instagram at underscore toy photographers underscore. Music for this week's episode is courtesy of freemusicarchive.org. And finally, you can reach out to us with comments, concerns, recommendations, etc. at toyphotographypod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you guys next week.